ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another thing. What word was I thinking of? I it completely, eh, whatever. Another lawful and binding. It's, oh, lawful and bind. Wow, a lawful like and, a and binding episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Adam. I'm even. And I'm Andrew, <laughs> and I'm also very thrown off right now, but not displeased. Good. I was like, okay, well, I guess I should step in. I, I you know, I. But that, also that relevant was, to what our topic is going to be. A oh, li- which I don't know. I deliberately told him, don't tell me. Surprise me. Yeah, it'll be so, fun. It'll be. Uh, oh, man. It'll be a good time. So how you doing? How you doing today, dude? Today I had a good day, you know. Uh, for the most part, I that's good. I had to take the day off work because I got called in to do my civic duty as a citizen of the United States of America, and that is to serve on a jury. Uh, and good for you, I was the only uh sucker in there that wore a tie. <laughs> Oh man! I, felt I, I thought ties were illegal in Arizona. Oh, they should be. I mean, considering how hot it is, exactly. Uh, you know, you you cook, but anyway, I I went in there. There was like one guy. He was like wearing a shirt and jeans, and like he he had tattoos all over the place. And I was like, okay. And then I, I'm like, well, he's gonna be like the one guy, right? It's like everybody, at least all the guys. There was the the most dressy guy that there had a polo. Um, what about the what about the judge? Well, see, that's where I was getting to because I was like, okay, well, they're gonna be mad, right? So the judge walks in, dudes wearing jeans. He's got <laughs> he's got brown work shoes <laughs> on with his with his uh with his robe on top of it, and he's just like, hey guys, we're just here to make you comfortable, you know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> TV lied done? to me. Dude, <laughs> this lied place to is me. great. Um, yeah. <laughs> like the snacks in the break room, you know. You don't have to. You don't have to ask to use the restroom. You know, just go. It's all good. You know, just stay nearby in case we need you. Oh my god! Like, wow, you, were, guys. you were ready for the full, the full Boston legal experience. I really was, and, and it uh, wasn't that you, you did not get that. Nope. I did end up uh, sitting in the waiting room a long time. So, kids, please bring a book with you. At the very least, they're bringing stuff to do because you you could just sit there and wait. And ultimately, I did just sit there and wait and then ultimately get told, oh, we don't need you. Thanks. Bye. So what? Yeah. You put on a tie to wait. Yeah, I put on a tie to sit in a room and watch the watch the Today Show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So I watched the Today Show. I caught some of the Olympics. The only Olympics I've been watching. I know you've been watching the Olympics, though. Maybe you want to hey. talk a bit about that. Yeah, I I should talk a little bit about it. Um, I was really uh, blessed enough to have a cousin who made it to the Olympics uh, wow. this year. Shoot, that's she, really cool. Um, she's you have an Olympian relative. Yeah. So what's and your like, excuse, Andrew? <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know that even if I made one up that it would be at all sufficient mm-hmm. apart from the fact that I am not athletic. So I guess that's my excuse. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
Her name is Jess uh, Thonis, and she was on the women's uh, eight rowing team for the United States. Uh, she's a uh, University of Washington alum, and uh, the the U.S. team uh, they came in fourth this uh, this year. Which, oh my goodness, my cousin was livid. This is um, mad. Oh, she was so pissed. Like she is a juggernaut of a person, and she hates losing. Like not in a poor sportsmanship sort of way, but in a like she like demands excellence of herself. Right. And she yeah. will push and push and push. She is a beast. Um, but the time I think a lot of being, people, high performing athletes, tend to be similar in that way. Oh, I, I would, sure. I would guess. But the uh the times that were put up, even by the competition, were just staggeringly fast like well as i understand like lots of events had big record-breaking uh numbers this year like just old records being shattered left and right right you know i guess people were (laughs) people got locked indoors and they spent that time training i guess that's exactly what happened actually oh like that's that's one of the things that um that helped my cousin, as far as I know, make the team is that she was, she took that entire year pretty much of 2020 when they would have been off competing to just train and train and train uh, at uh, her parents' home in Colorado. She just basically spent like every day, all day on the rowing machine in the garage, just pumping like crazy just doing the grind um, yeah holy moly that's cool like it was pretty amazing so they they busted their asses to get (laughs) to the olympics and they you could see him like i saw my cousin on tv full screen and everything i was like wow that's that's my cousin so and then you're was, like, oh, yeah, well, I've got a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so. whether that is one upsmanship, <laughs> I don't know. M- maybe it's just trying to justify oh, my own existence in some <laughs> small way uh, to someone who has justified their life in a much more meaningful way. Um <laughs> I think you're cool, no. Andrew. That's what matters. Um, you know, I appreciate that. There you that's go. that's what keeps me going. But um, I, I, I sh- yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that that you had a relative do that. That's really cool. You know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of for a lot of people, the Olympics is a big deal, and it makes me you know almost wish I had planned the Olympics as a topic to talk about Theros or something. Uh, maybe another time. Oh, so that's a neat idea. So maybe let us know uh, in you know Facebook or whatever that uh, you know whether or not you want to have an Olympics, like how to have a a games of of athleticism competition in your in your D and D campaign. You know that could be interesting. You know that could also get uh, wrapped up in uh, like the topic could even just be like mini games. 
Like, yeah, uh, you totally. could also yeah. throw in things like tavern games, and, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. That could be fun. That'd be really neat. Yeah. So, you know, let us know if uh, you want to hear about that. Right and on. It, and if you don't say anything, and, we'll probably do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And if you do want to let us know that or anything else, or if you just want to throw a couple bucks our way, you can head on over Yay. to our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com and you'll find three little bubbles up in the upper right-hand corner or if you're on mobile, up in the top middle and you can go to our Facebook, Twitter or Patreon and check us out over there. Definitely go to the Patreon. That's what we really want. Definitely, definitely go to the Patreon and Adam has just restructured everything over there. So it is just better all around. Yeah, so we have a one dollar uh, tier now. Uh, so if you only love us a little bit, there's you can throw a buck our way. We'll give you access to the Discord at the very least. So that's cool. Yes, at the very least. Um, but we won't hit you more with the commercial. Uh, you know what? Surprise me with our topic. Oh, and we want to jump right in. Okay, so you we, know, we're not wasting too much time today, guys. Sorry for the inconsistency. I, we're we're going to do better, I guess. I I I don't want to, but I feel <laughs> like I have to. Like there's some invisible person uh out there who's demanding we just cut the crap and get and, to it. And uh you know, I don't think it's crap. Yeah. I like it. Um right, but what's entertaining well, for us is not necessarily entertaining for everybody. But well, what have we said? A dozen times at the very least this is not for them this is for us (laughs) this is for this is this is us this is us okay which by the way not my favorite show anyway um (laughs) what was my favorite show uh was a show that you recommended to me many years ago that you actually already mentioned once on this episode oh oh yeah which is boston legal um Oh, I thought you were going to say Venture Brothers. No, oh, Venture Brothers. That is also a good show. Um, yeah. Brock Sampson's the man. The monarch. Yes, I love Boston Legal. Yeah. Boston Legal is a great show. It was one of the many uh, David E. Kelly sort of comedy dramas. Uh, it, it was basically a direct successor to The Practice. Um, you might also have heard of his shows from uh, Ally McBeal that was very famous. Um, mm. and much less fam- famous, you know, he had picket fences. Uh, there was Harry's law that I think had maybe two seasons. So anyway, mm. David E. Kelly, he writes legal stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Stories about lawyers, they're rich and they get into all kinds of shenanigans. Uh, they're basically the Grey's anatomy of, of legal shows because there's a lot of sort of relationship drama. There's a lot of sex, mm. And, uh, but also there's a lot of comedy and, and that's the part that I really like. But in addition, they also would, would be very good about creating these sort of closing arguments that would sort of sum up the, the, um, the moral of the episode, right? The, the legal closings are so good. They're, they're awesome. You know, you could just watch the, you know, Alan Shore closings, you know, Danny Crane closings, and they're all, fantastic um they highlight reels yeah they're really fun and i would recommend uh yeah checking out that show because you know when when my buddy andrew in college said 
check out this show. Check out the DVD collection I have. And I was like, what is this? This is going to be like a, like a cartoon show, right? Awesome. Here we go. Never, never and mind he, the fact <laughs> that it was only the second season. I didn't have any. Of the other <laughs> he was like, it's called Boston Legal. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What? I beg your pardon. <laughs> why, sir. why are you watching this? This looks boring. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the cover. It's literally just a cast photo. Everyone's wearing a suit looking at the camera. It's like the most uninspired cover ever. I think it was only Alan and Denny. It, I, I, I maybe anyway, I, yeah, let, let's put it this way. I fell in love with the show pretty quickly after finally giving it a chance after like months of ignoring Andrew and I was on vacation when you watched is it. That I come happened? home and you were like, so, so guess what I watched? Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. You're like, I, yeah. And I, I absolutely loved it. They're zany. They're ridiculous, but they're also meaningful. Uh, they've got great actors, you know, the legendary Candace Bergen. And of course, oh, sure. Um, William Shatner. Auberjohn. Yeah, he was huge on there. Yeah, rest in peace. Um, also, fun fact, Rene Aubergenois is the uh, is the crazy chef in The Little Mermaid. Yep. You know, we we referenced that one back in season one. Man, you have a good memory, man. Um, so anyway, hey, tell, tell that to my wife. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> text right out of the blue hey husband has a good memory she's like tell your friend not to text me um <laughs> that's the way that would go down it is um no, so it's not. so anywho a uh, great show really liked it david spader no no that's not right james spader james spade i, I wow. did you i did <laughs> david spade that's a different show <laughs> Uh, James Spader, uh, you know, who's famous for roles such as uh, the the guy from Stargate, the main character, uh, uh, <laughs> Doctor something Star- something. I can't remember. That's right. And <laughs> that's right. And uh, then, of course, very recently, Ultron. Uh, yeah. In, in uh, Avengers two and uh, the Blacklist, maybe maybe you maybe you uh, saw. I am aware of it. So yes. it's it's interesting. You want to see uh, James Spader do James Spader things? It's a good place to go. Yep. Uh, yep. Then I'd also do a, a light recommendation for Secretary, but that's not for kids. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. all that aside, you know what could what could be interesting is how do we do law? How do we do legalization? And how do we do uh, trials specifically in uh, in role playing games? So that that's where I'm going with that. Uh, of course, it was on my mind because, yeah, I did get called in for for jury duty. And mm. and I was thinking about that. And on, on top of that, we started a new quarter of school. And in addition to teaching my D&D class, I also teach government. And so, uh, you know, I thought a lot about, you know, why we have laws and where they come from. Right. And, and that sort of thing. So. Mm. So adventurers this- are uh, are troublesome people. Yeah, they they kind of don't really give a rip about the law, do they? Uh, you know, but but they should. And I think that thinking about law and consequence uh, is is an important part of adding dimensionality to our worlds, right? Oh, um, sure. Like if we're going to say the king 
says, but there's doesn't seem to be any law. Then we know that we're just talking about, well, NPC who maybe has a quest. Right. And, mm. you know, we, we've all had to deal with uh, the, the murder hobo situation. And usually the response is, you know, the, the, the guards show up and they just fight. And then there's a big real life battle at the table. And then everyone has a bad time, you know, but what, you know, it could be interesting if the, if the players get into legal trouble for whatever reason to play that out and to talk about, you know, what could happen like, Oh good. The player screwed up. So next session gets to be the trial scene. And, mm. and that could be really fun. Or the players could try to intervene on the behalf of someone else who's in legal trouble. Mm. I like that. That's, that is interesting. I wonder if, let's see, how do we want to break this up? So I, I did take some notes, some, some Andrew worthy notes. Uh, a list, a list. One might say mm, one might. So this one might. Yeah, there, I'm just going to. So I'm just going to go down and and you can just ask questions and add your two cents as you feel inspired. So jump, jump right in. I will uh, interrupt as is my want. Perfect. OK, <laughs> so let's talk about things that could get players into trouble. I think that might be a fun thing. So what do you think? Like, what are things that players do where like, okay, there's a reason why we don't do these things in real life. Cause most of them would result in us getting arrested. Right. So like rampant and wanton murder and or theft. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to think, right? Like, I mean, somebody yeah, got absolutely. my way at the general store. I threw them out the <laughs> window. I, yeah. I chased them down and beat them to death after they were out of my way. Just for good measure. Yeah. 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 It, it, well, and I guess not to get off topic, but why do you think that is right? Why is it? Because, that- because you can't do it in a real life. It's, okay. it's like the, the game, uh, Grand Theft Auto gamey version of like Westworld, uh-huh. you know, where oh, people sure. go yeah. there to do all the crap that they're not allowed to do in real life. That's right. Yeah. Um, you so, know, if, but like, if why you do, didn't believe, why, but why do GMs let them do it though? I guess is, is more my question. Like, is it because they're just like, Oh, whatever it's fun moving on. Or is it like, you know, are well, they afraid the I, players will get mad? Like, what do you think? I'm guessing that it's probably a, a mix. I don't think that it's just one thing. I think there are probably some GMs who, who also think it's funny. And who right, enjoy yeah. just GMing the mayhem, which, yeah, I could see how that could be fun. Well, and I was also um, thinking about this because, you know, you were running Strahd last night. Sure. And we got into, you know, kind of a sticky situation here. And now the oh, yeah. the laws regarding Barovia are not fully known to me yet. And since they seem to be ruled over largely by a singular authority who mm. is you know, present whenever he decides to be, you know, like it's hard to tell like when we're breaking laws, right. We don't get like the strawed Magna Carta, you know, like as we enter, as we, as we enter the the room, like, uh, yes, welcome. Here is my constitution. Please read and peruse at your leisure and then sign these eight forms in triplicate. 
right? Like, hold on, I'm taking notes. <laughs> right, hit. Like this place is All actually right. a nightmare. <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you guys your copy of the forms in one of those yellow legal envelopes with the little flap metal tabs on the on the uh, on the envelope. You'll By the way, they, they, they gave me a clipboard this morning and they had me fill up my my information and it had like the different like it was on the thin paper and it had the different colored forms. Yeah, beneath the carbon it, copies, the carbon copies. And they, yeah. give me, they give you that little golf pencil to, to, oh my to use to, to write it. And so I fill it out. They're like, here's your copy. There's nothing on it. Nothing got through. Oh. There's absolutely no information on it at all. I'm just like, okay. oh, my God. Here's so, my copy. So in Arizona, what like the, the courts are a little looks lax. like when new. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. This is a good looking form. I could write anything <laughs> I on I could write this. anything on here. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, pretty ridiculous. But, anyway. but yeah, we don't we don't usually get that. But I mean, there's things like murder and, and theft, like you say. Uh, property damage is a huge one, right? So, oh God, yeah! How many taverns have been burned down? <laughs> like I've been in a game where we burned down a tavern with fireball, like literally happened, and then yeah, we actually did get in some legal trouble, which was great. Um, I mean, if you're gonna burn something down, I mean, fireball, fireball, is, just go for it. You know, yeah. So um, that was that was cool. But have you ever run into anyone uh, in game who's Who's like not not full on destroyed something, but just like defaced it like graffiti or like some oh, sure. petty nonsense. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, because it, it's just like you said, you know, players want to do things that are not socially acceptable in real life. Right. right? And so you get to scratch that itch a bit, um, you know, and for the most part, I find some of that just to be sort of selfish and distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost always the rogue, right? <laughs> it's like going oh, off and sure and, do, and doing their own thing, but not always. And uh, you know, I you think know, I think we can tolerate that to a degree, but you know, just make sure everybody gets back on track. And then maybe, as, yeah, maybe there is a, a consequence, like maybe uh, the local uh, con- constable makes you write uh, your graffiti, uh, but it, in in proper Latin. Uh, all all night long. Freaking life of Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great movie. I just, I just oh. absolutely love Life of Brian. Oh, John Cleese. Uh, eh, and ooh, he's like, <laughs> like how strict oh. he is about it. Too. What's the, he's that's like? So what, great. What, what's the like the proper conjunction or whatever? <laughs> so we we anyway in that game that we played last last night, you know, I could tell uh-huh. that some of the players made decisions that made you uncomfortable. And it, and it's a common thing where players get a little power crazy when they have a prisoner. And mm. sometimes they don't always act terribly heroic in these situations. And we were able to kind of diffuse that situation with a little bit of comedy um, I don't even necessarily know that I was actually getting uncomfortable if I'm thinking about what uh, yeah. what I think you're well, pointing toward. Well, and just to be explicit about, you know, we, you know, somebody was, uh, you know, hiding out. We needed to capture them. We said, come out and we'll give you passage. 
they came out mm-hmm. and they immediately got attacked. Right. That's not, you know, it's definitely not lawful good. Right. Let's put it that way. Sure. It's not, yeah. it's not great behavior anyway, but also only one of your party members actually made the promise and they were technically only speaking for themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. No, there's, but also plausible deniability, but also even if it is paper thin, you know, that is, you know, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, not that every hero needs to be captain America. I mean, like certainly not, but it, it, it would be hard to think of, you know, someone, truly heroic saying, well, I didn't promise or, or something. Sure. You That's, know, I that completely would, agree with that. It's not yes. my favorite. Uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel heroic. What but- are other things that could get players into trouble? I mean, there's, there's the obvious things that we mentioned, but maybe things yeah. that might be less obvious as well. Like, like- jaywalking. <laughs> jaywalking. Well, there is <laughs> definitely trespassing. Um, and that actually reminds me of something I didn't write down. Which is poaching. Ooh. Uh, and that's something that you hear a lot yeah. about in like fairy tales and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. He was caught poaching in the king's wood. <laughs> yeah. And so, and just to explain a little bit, like we're not talking about poaching in the modern context, right? In the modern like context, eggs. you know, you're, you're well, <laughs> like <laughs> eggs. <laughs> Great. Yeah. There's, um, although I do, I do like poached eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, we're not talking about like wiping out, you know, rare elephants. What we're talking about is just like deer hunting, but it's the king's land, right? Right. And and you and someone might be doing that so that they can live, right? And oh, you happen to cross into the king's part of the forest, you know, and so and, and you're hunting his elephants. Yeah, you you hunted his elephant, right? You hunted right. his uh, whatever. It's, it's not the so, elephant that matters. It's where the elephant was. So a player could unwittingly um, cause this offense as well, right? Um, mm. Or they could have to come to the defense of someone who caused this um, offense, either wittingly or, or not. Right. You know, that could be interesting. Um, sometimes the laws just have to get you, and it... it prosecution um, in many legal forms, even today, but certainly in the medieval and Renaissance periods, uh, the prosecutor has a ton of power. Oh yeah. And they've, they've generally got some kind of agenda. Like in, uh, I know something that you see in uh, Boston legal as uh, kind of motive on the, uh, on the part of like the, the DA, the district attorney is that a lot of times these guys are like up for reelection. Yeah. So, so they're going after people that, uh, that the people whose votes they're trying to court would want them to go after. Right. They want to show that they're like tough on crime or, or against drugs specifically, you know, whatever it is. And and we can borrow that same idea for oh, yeah. something more you have medieval. The anti-adventuring governor or whatever, who's like, you know, I'm going to keep order in our streets and none of these marauding ruffians are getting into our town or blah, 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 blah. Right. Because, you know, adventurers are disruptive, right? Not only because of the violence, what? but also because they basically, um, let's say, complicate the local economy. Right. Like, I was just going to say 
They you throw know. the biggest wrench like that, uh, that order of the stick strip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Order of the stick, yep. I think hits on that really early. They nail it. Um, and they, and they talk about how like prices dramatically inflate when, when, um, if they know it, rich adventurers are in town. Um, and then what does that do to, to their economy after the, the fact so, oh, sure. you know, and, and we've all done the thing where you go to the tavern and you're level one and you go, I give them a gold piece. All right. And then, oh, yeah. And, and the tavern keeper gets bug eyed and, and, and you flash you, the cash makes you feel awesome. Makes you feel awesome. Um. So anyway, they're very disruptive. And yeah, it, there could be an official that has something to prove. Right. Or it could be you were literally doing something wrong. Um, maybe mm. you fight an enemy that seems like they're doing something bad, but it turns out that maybe they're a diplomat or a visitor from another land. So now you've created complicated, <laughs> you know, they have diplomatic community, right? And now you've created a, a complex situation for the local uh, political authority. Um, you know, th- that also makes me think, um, consider uh, quest givers, you know, the, there could be an opportunity for you, the adventurers, to be taking on a job for someone from a given place. Oh, yeah. And oh, what yeah. they want you to do sends you to a different place, right? governed over by different people. And basically, right. the job you were sent to do conflicts with the laws yep. or whatever in this place mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have anything against these people and you don't mean to go break the law but you're just trying to do the job you were hired to do that's right but this is now an obstacle that's in your way right absolutely absolutely that's totally true like and, and you don't necessarily know if you're being played or not you could right. you could hire a bunch of adventurers and say, yeah, I'm going to pay you 500 gold. And they're going to be like, yeah, I'll do whatever. And then uh, then you send and you have no intention to ever pay them because you know that they're going to be arrested. Right. Or that they'll mm. they'll die in the process. But you still hurt your enemy. You get done whatever you need to get done. And so that raises a question of who is that guy that's causing that problem? Mm. Well, that gets kind of into the next section, which is that. People in this time period are going to be dealing with a Venn diagram of laws, um, mm. you know, in, to a certain de- degree in our federalist system here in the United States, like we kind of have one as well because we have, we have federal and state. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You have, very good, Andrew. Yes, we have federal and state as well. Look as, at me being all <laughs> knowledgeable. Uh, dude, you're I smart. hope you guys enjoyed um, it because I'm done for this. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're absolutely right. There's federal and state. And there's also, you know, your your local municipality or whatever. Um, but for the most part, we you know, we have our heads on straight enough that we, we typically know when we're doing something that we ought not. Um, Do you have any municipal laws you know of that are literally unique to like your neighborhood or the local city or something? I don't know of any that are like relevant, but I do in my lesson where I talk about this. Mm. um, I did. I do have like on one of my slides that talks about uh, laws that are still technically on the books, but are like joke laws or like. Yeah, I remember well out, those. outdated, right? So there, 
I think there's like one in Tucson where like you can't put a donkey in a bathtub and like yeah. women aren't allowed to wear pants, you know, yeah. like things like that. So, you know, where you're really going to get long lists of laws and where you're going to get things that are very, let's say, specific, that the Mm -hmm. more local you get, the more nuanced it's going to become. Because, I mean, you read the Constitution of the United States. It's very broad, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's really just talking about, okay, here are the very basic legal protections that you get. And yes, these are intentionally vague so that your local authority can further define what this means. And then right. as long as you don't come into conflict with what this document says, we can probably work with you. Right. As long as you're basically protecting people's natural rights, you're okay. So you are not allowed to put bow ties on giraffes, right? Regular so, <laughs> neckties. Fine. But bow tie, God help you. God help you. Right. So it's, that's what happens. So, I mean, in, in, in to a degree, there, there's a lot of um, similarity to real life here, but like in a medieval oh, era, sure. what what are people dealing with? Well, they're well, they're not dealing typically in a democracy, though maybe they are in your world. Um, but a lot of time, we're we're talking about sort of European English or French style feudalism, and so when it comes to a feudal system, it helps to know a little bit about how that works. But the only thing here that I'm really going to say is uh, you're going to be dealing with uh, the the Lord, obviously, the local like major authority, if there is right. the Lord, if he wants to deal with that or a constable um, mm. who is basically like your cop slash jailer. Maybe it's a warden of some kind. Uh, the honorable sheriff. So that that's that person's going to represent like your civil law. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you might have a council of peasants that uh that you know run little courts for certain syndicalist commune if you will well i wouldn't call it that but um you know (laughs) because they are heavily regulated there's nothing anarcho about them but um (laughs) you might have more importantly i just gotta get the monty python reference in there because we're not talking about like uh this is not like a free market system usually that, Mm. that we're doing um, we're usually talking about, you know, a feudal economy. So you're, you have what's called mercantilism, which is essentially, uh, you get permission to run a business from the Lord. And now you work for a specific guild and anyone who applies in that trade has to do it mm. through the guild. Right. So sort of like a union. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Kinda. Um, kind of sort of, but it's like a, like a top down instead of bottom up kind of effort, right. if you will. Um, so there's, it's, let's just say it's very protected. It's very much about helping your buddies, keeping production and labor local and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, someone can easily get into trouble doing work when they're not part of the cool kids club. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or come, th- from come trying to, to make something affordable to someone who, who needs it and the mercantile system, the guild master doesn't want that to happen. So you could deal when, with that. When I was, uh, when I was writing, uh, when I was doing my writing for, uh, the ultimate guide to alchemy, crafting and enchanting for Nord, 
Um, the flavor portion of the book I made, uh, took a, took an angle on those different, uh, lines of professions and created a framework, uh, of associations. And that's pretty much exactly the same way they went about it too. Like these big associations are formed and you can, uh, there were a few tables and things you could roll on to see how they viewed uh, practitioners of these no. different crafts who were outside of the association versus ones that were connected to it. And that's the, it's totally like what you're saying here, where um, you've got these guilds or other organized groups where basically if you aren't a part of that group like you might have folks knocking on your door saying you know join or die <laughs> well yeah i mean because they they don't want that kind of competition right and it has to do with right with the with the local stability of the of the government right and it, and it's just the tale of as old as time the new person moves right. in typically an immigrant and they offer a good at a lower price and all the locals mm-hmm get really upset about that. Right. Because now all of a sudden they can't compete at the, at the lower price. And so right. then they, then they go to pop a government to ask them to, to stop this bad thing from happening, or they just get together and do it themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, either way it's, you know, kind of a, a, a bad deal. So you can imagine a situation where one of your players, you know, very kindly, you know, find someone who is sick. Hey, my child is ill. And they're like, oh, well, I'm a high level paladin. So I cast, um, you know, uh, cure disease. <laughs> and you're like, I'm a oh. high level cleric. So I straight up bring them back from the dead. And so, you know, <laughs> how long has he been dead? Just only 10 seconds. Ah, perfect. <laughs> you know, terrific. If it was more than you five know, minutes, I'd have to charge you double. I'd have to. That would definitely inconvenience. I'd have to come back in a few levels. Um, so, but, uh, you know, but let's say they do that, right. Or even just use a cure wounds cause someone's got injured. Well, you could, you know, anger the powers that be, I mean, even in the Bible, I mean, you know, Jesus breaks the Sabbath, right? That's what gets him in trouble. Mm. He, you know, he walks around healing people. That's work. Yo, yep. You're not supposed to. You know, and so, you know, a player could do something very, very good that is very, you know, righteous and and right. can get them into into hot water with those powers that be. So that's the uh, that's the lawful portion of lawful good or lawful neutral or lawful evil. Right. Yeah. So we might have to defend ourselves rules. Absolutely. So, you know, you can we can use laws like let's use what you just talked about there you know, good, neutral, and evil, Mm. right? Like a good law, a good system of laws could be a way to teach players that there are real consequences and that in a way to sort of express why a law is important and exists. Mm. Um, Or that system could be good, but also be flawed, right? It could be misguided or have a corrupt entity from within. A lawful evil entity like a, a government, it's much more easy, right? Like how do we create conflict there. Well, the laws are bad, right? They're, right. they're meant to, to serve 
those that hold power, not, not to, not to help common folk. And so mm-hmm. that's an easy way to, to have conflict for players to overcome. And, Oh, sure. And, and what could be really fun for them is not to just beat up all the lawyers, but you know, to also maybe use the system against itself. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. Ooh. Yeah. So, so the other thing you got to think about though, is mob rule. Cause this is oh, something yeah. they could definitely pop up. You know, I know you love your Monty Python reference, right? Oh yeah. And, and right away at the, at the beginning we get the witch trial, right? Which is He's essentially, we burner. it's essentially just a pop-up court, you know, in, in a lot of yep. ways. And you have one person who's acting as both judge as well as the defense attorney you know, How do you know she's weak? By the way, you know that your legal system in your fantasy world is corrupt when your judge and one of your attorneys are the same guy. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> you're you're not you're not doing well. I fail to see the problem. So then uh, there's the other the the other type of law that you you could possibly offend is ecclesiastical law, uh, uh, because you could break laws of the church and they could have. Uh, legal standing, right? They, there's, there's not a full separation of church and state when it comes to medieval law or even some modern countries, right? So, mm, uh, you know, true. you can, you can offend God or, or one of the gods and by so doing also offend, uh, the local authorities that be, right? Cause, well, and let's, let's not forget too, uh, a lot of the things that we're referencing here are uh, things typically pulled from uh, European medieval history. That's right. Um, because, you know, let's face it, that's the place that a lot of us go to. Not well, all. it's also and I'm what also D&D largely not, is centered around. Right. Um, yeah. Not to say that this is the be-all, end-all, or best setting or whatever, but, yeah, um, you know... But also, even though we are referencing that kind of place and that sort of historical time period, most of us are not actually playing historical simulation as far as setting goes. We're playing fantasy. 100%. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There are tons of settings where you might very literally be offending a god like there may be an actual physical (laughs) being who might show up and go i didn't much care for uh that (laughs) blasphemy you were just throwing around you want to say that to my face (laughs) (laughs) yeah i said i said said, louder i I said (laughs) bogdor's gonna be in trouble gonna be in big trouble (laughs) somebody gonna get a hurt real bad Um, Yep. so anyway there's lots of people to offend and that makes for some interesting drama uh so um yeah you can break laws from from any of these places so but you bring up a really good point that we are dealing in fantasy. So the beauty is, oh, no, I didn't become an expert on Roman law overnight. Okay, well, c- congratulations, you're normal. But <laughs> you're doing like, you know, dwarf land, but the banners are red. That's what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? 
So yep. grab grab two things from Rome that you thought were interesting. Grab something from Magna Carta. Grab something from from English common law, and you know make something out of that. Because your players yep. don't want to become lawyers either. They're they're here to to play D and D, right? They want to hit some bad guys and push some buttons on their sheet and do some role play. They want to move. They want to drive character interactions. They don't want to, you know, train for their for their uh, paralegal job in the future. So, so you use these big overarching laws yeah. to set the scene and you show why it's oppressive or why it's very important. And then you have some event basically act as an example, right? Absolutely. So for instance, we could use something like the guild law, like we were talking about. Somebody gives medicine uh, to a kid. He's a former member of the guild. He's no longer in good standing. Um, he gives the medicine away for free or maybe at cost. Uh, the, the, the guild crony, the stooge, uh, figures out that this happened, reports it to the head honcho that mm. results in, in violence that maybe you, you interfere with as players because maybe you come into this with no context. You just see an old man getting accosted and you step or- in, right? As players. Or you get hired by the guild to go deal right. with an offender. Yeah. And then once you find the offender, you get that classic, oh, wait, are we the bad guys? Are, are we the bad guys? Are we the baddies? Mm-hmm. And then you didn't fulfill the contract. So now that now the guild is after you. And yep. it turns out that the final boss of this uh, campaign arc is the the Lord of the Miller's Guild. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't make it up, you know, you know, whatever it is, right. They could be kind of interesting. So did, did we get fully into the law about, you know, craftsman guilds? No, we, we, we understood one basic concept and it was, it was all the players really wanted to wrap their heads around. It's all you wanted to talk about. So you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it also provides a little bit of context, um, Because what you could also do, too, is you have the law and you could create a few different scenarios to show the different the different degrees to which that law uh, affects the surrounding society. Like in in our example of this guild with these uh, with this medic uh, or cleric or paladin healer type this person was doing a good thing but they were not following the rules essentially falling into chaotic good realm um they're doing a good thing but still breaking the law but maybe elsewhere in town or whatever another incident comes up where someone is knowingly bucking the law and actually uh, intentionally trying to screw over the guild and causing a very real problem. Now, in that case, if, uh, if you are hired by the guild to enforce that, all of a sudden you're not hit with this moral quandary of like, oh, but he's actually a nice guy and he was trying to do a good thing and all that. Now you're dealing with someone who's a problem. So now after having dealt with the little medic guy, 
are you still hesitant to enforce this law? Or are you like, well, because this guy's being a jerk, yeah, we'll enforce it. And then then how we feel about someone, like whether or not they're nice to us can inform our moral decision in that moment. Exactly. I mean, heck, even our a lot of our political p- persuasion can just come down to who was the last person that was nice to me. Sure. Um, you know, and 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 that's something very real. But um, yeah, there we don't have to make a morally black and white scenario like with the apothecary or whatever. You know, we can do mm-hmm. something where, you know, a silk merchant is trying to smuggle his goods so that he can sell them for a, a gold piece less. And the and the guild is trying to stop him. Right. That could be that could be something interesting where we just let players kind of express what their alignment is regarding law and if they want to to help that guy or not or or bring him in or maybe they're just self-interested. So they just go with whoever bribes them the most. Exactly. Uh, You know, it can it can go lots of different ways. But what's also great about that is that can have cause and effect. Right. There can be real consequences about that as we go in. So as concerning that. I think yeah. a good next thing to jump to sure. would be what can happen? What are the various kinds of consequences that could be meted out uh, yeah. based on, you know, the assumption is that the, the law has been break has been breaking. I can't talk. Um, the law has been breaking. The law has been broken. Lang- I know language. how to. I know how to word all words. Uh, you write. Um, so what are the various kinds of consequences that the I'm PCs glad you asked that could be faced with? And what are some yeah. interesting ways they can deal with them? So that's a really good question because I think, you know, going back to earlier, the situation can always happen where the players do something really dumb and really egregious. And now you as the GM have a decision to make, you know, do you allow players to, to sort of go wild and, and have their GTA fantasy, or do you want to make this a teaching moment and talk about like the legitimacy of your worlds? Cause I think a lot of times our knee jerk reaction might be the guards attack you. Right. Yeah. And then the guards kill your character. So did you learn your lesson? That's not a, I, I'm not going to say that's the wrong way to go. But I am going to say that I think the more interesting way to go, in my opinion, is to have them go to jail and hey. maybe have it and maybe have a trial. And Who doesn't like a good old fashioned jailbreak? So the jailbreak could be certainly part of that. Like, I don't plan on going to court. So let's do a jailbreak session. OK, that's cool. Go. Right. But maybe we'll have a conversation with another inmate or something or mm-hmm. we, we can learn who you really hurt by doing that. Um mm. But I really like the idea of then court happens, especially if the guards do attack and you have a, a a soft TPK where everybody gets captured instead of killed. Right. Cause that right. can, that can lead to, okay, now you're brought before the elder or before the constabulary or whatever it is the next day. Well, you know, for, for any, for any, uh, potentially new GMs who might be listening Here's a, you know, a hot tip. If you ever run into a situation where you realize uh, that maybe your players misjudged an encounter or maybe you didn't quite uh, fully grasp 
what could come out of an encounter you designed or something. If you run into a situation where TPK uh, or total party kill for anyone who doesn't uh, isn't familiar with the acronym. um, If you run into that kind of situation, having the party basically all be taken down and then wake up captured is a, is a pretty classic way of avoiding the, well, all my characters are now dead. Right. So let's make a new campaign or break up the group. And maybe that might be the right choice in your case. But what I really like about the trial scene and really, I, Mm -hmm. I I want to talk more about how we handle that trial scene and how using the idea of trials in our games could be interesting because when we get up and we have the trial, you, you know, theoretically you allow your, your care, your player characters to make statements and this gives them a chance to explain themselves, but it also gives you the chance as the GM to explain another view and to, in a narrative Mm -hmm. sense, tell them, Hey, well, here's the other thing you did, you know, Mm -hmm. and here's another way of looking at it. And maybe, maybe what you did was wrong Mm -hmm. or, or maybe, what you did was right. And now you're realizing that there's a bigger problem at play than just, you know, the little job you took that maybe now you need to protect people from uh, a more dangerous legal entity because legality does not mean morality. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Um, but to quickly answer your, your other question about what punishments we could see, what sort of consequences could exist obviously capture violence, uh, beating, uh, you know, even death are the most obvious ones. Uh, but you know, torture could happen, right. Mm. Uh, in the medieval period, that would have been, um, very, very common, but there is also, uh, banishment is a mm. thing that, that, that could happen. Hey, you're just out of the community. You can't come back. Yep. Um, And that can be an interesting way to maybe even start a character journey, right? How do you enter that special world? Because you got kicked out of the normal world, right? And maybe one of the things you gain on your journey is the ability to return. And the, the, then the question comes up, like, do you still want that? Are you a different person now? Do you desire different things? Or can you bring that elixir home that makes your home different and better than it used to be? So and I think in terms of consequence, cool. uh, in terms of consequence in general, obviously, you know, the, the punishments like execution and stuff are, unless the crime is like decidedly grievous, mm-hmm. that's not typically the one I would go with for, um, at least in terms of the game, just because it's pretty final. So if you're going to have a character be executed, um, that should be a pretty rare occasion. Um, Or you might set up the execution, but it happens the next morning and now you want to do your jailbreak or whatever, or figure out your, your big rescue scene, like in like half the Robin hood movies that exist. Right. Um, But generally land on a consequence that, that, has something the players can do while the punishment is basically being carried out. Like even if you're thrown in jail, you're sitting in jail thinking about how you're going to get out of jail, whether it's like, Oh, we're going to prepare for trial or we're going to try to find a way to 
break out of the clink, you know, what have you. So uh, did, did you ever complete Dragon Age Origins? Yes, I did. So one of my favorite parts in that game, which I, I think is maybe the best part of the game, is when you do have the obligatory capture uh, that happens near uh, near the end and you are sent to prison and you choose two of the party members to come and get you to rescue you. Or you mm. can decide to try to break out yourself. And what's really fascinating about it is depending on which two characters you pick, they have like unique interactions and lines, mm. which is really neat. And then they then depending on their relationship with you, they might have different lines. Uh, wow. It, it's one of the more varied, really detailed scenes. Like if you don't want to go back and replay through the game, I would recommend just like YouTubing like... Um, you know, Dragon Age uh, jail dialogue or something. And mm. um, you would probably find some some really cool scenes, some really clever lines. Um, Interesting. I, like almost all of them have a different lie to get them in the front door. And, ah. some, and some of them are good at lying and some of them are very bad at lying. <laughs> and, fun. and it's great. Yeah, it's, it's really great fun. So you can totally snag that for your own games. Um. Obviously, fine is something that you, that can happen if you don't want this to be a big deal. Like, listen, I'm not trying to run court simulator. Yeah, that'll be 40 gold, please. Um, I mean, that's what the Skyrim guard does, right? Or Oblivion, you know. Well, you, or you could even uh, with with the fine, um, depending on what you as the GM are trying to do. You know, a fine in general sounds kind of boring. Like, oh, you know here's 40 gold whatever it's peanuts i've got it i found that my couch cushions i mean you can you can make it punitive if you want to right you can say exactly you know you can, you make can hit it them hard so yeah. high that it that it forces the pcs to try to come up with a clever way to be able to get that money yeah so you can use that to incentivize some other things Maybe they need to go look for help in order to get that money or, you know, something like that. Maybe they need a patron or, you know, they, mm -hmm. they steal it or whatever. You well, know, also, it's just be. a deterrent possibly to, right. hey, maybe don't. I, I'm not trying to do the murder hobo thing today. So if you don't want to lose 500 gold every time you do something like that, uh, then maybe hmm. maybe just, you know go kill the goblins. Like I've been trying to hint at for three hours. <laughs> <Sure>. Right. <laughs> like maybe right. that could be the play. So, uh, the last thing, uh, that I had on my list, uh, regarding consequences was confiscation. Oh, um, you know, certainly, uh, th they can seize your gear. They can seize your money. They can, um, if you own property, they, they can take that away from you. You know, the, the law, depending on what system you're using. But the, the most simple thing I can think of is the local Lord does whatever he wants. And you're a peasant. Yep. I mean, I mean, and that's really what it kind of could come down to. Now, if you have something a little bit more complex than that, they can't totally run roughshod, but a lot of them really could. I mean, depending, especially oh, sure. if, you, if you didn't own any land, I mean, you basically had no rights. So you, you really had no, no, question about it and even and as even as a lord you barely had rights when it came to dealing with the king 
right? right? Which, uh, which gets into the whole story of the Magna Carta itself. It's, which by the way, I would put on my list of things to, to check out and to know the history of a little bit, you know, just watch like a cartoon about it or, or, you know, a, a YouTube video and that would probably be enough. And just cool to understand, rock. just schoolhouse rock that thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, brush up on the old high school stuff. Um, if you need to, and and it, it, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to know all like, I think it's like 63 points of the Magna Carta, but like you, you could know 10 of them, you know, and that could be interesting. And, and even just the context of the history leading up to, to John being a very unlikely and very incompetent King leading to the rebellion by the barons, which leads to him signing this document, you know? So that could be something to, to borrow and, and use in your own setting and, Definitely. and to, and it helps you understand kind of what the nature of political power is, right? Because, you know, John was like, well, I'm the king. No one's going to rise up against me. You know, the people are loyal to their king. It's like, well, they're loyal to their king until they're not eating, you mm-hmm. know. That'll do and it. barons are loyal to their king until you keep taking their land from them, marrying off their sisters to people that they're not interested in losing, you know, and... um you know, oh, my child's son took over this uh, this barony over here. And so the guardian you put in place is just taking it all for himself and serving the king and not helping us out at all. Right. These are these are situations that where the laws themselves, if you read them, they hint at a greater story. Like, mm. boy, there's some historical context behind that one. And it's like on every single line. And so you can turn that into a plot. Oh, sure. Like, like really easily. So um, I would check that out. Um, you, you, one, one of the things you brought up was what, you know, what are players doing? Right. Yep. So part of it could be like the trial scene where they're, um, they're arguing, but what do they do in between that time? Hmm. So have you ever played Phoenix Wright? I, I haven't, Ace, but I Ace definitely Attorney. know of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Capcom game uh, where you play as, as an attorney. So here in the United States, we're, we're all about you are um, innocent until proven guilty, right? Or at least that's what we, what we strive for. Sure. Uh, uh, so not all, not all countries have that, right? The presumption of, of innocence is, is presumption. not. The right, presumption. Is, is not necessarily there. And certainly in the medieval period, you're going to have to prove that someone is innocent, not just, Oh, you didn't get reasonable doubt. That's not going to probably happen in your fantasy setting. Right. I mean, it could, maybe that's the way you want to run your laws, but what, so all that is to say, there's a lot that could be done in between court sessions, right? Like, okay, guys, we're going to go into recess until this time tomorrow. And then you're play. So then players, what do you want to do? Well, I'm going to go try to like go to the scene of the crime and I'm actually going to run my own investigation. Right. You know, you've, you've got to, you've got to not only prove that your person didn't do it, you have to find out who actually did do it. Right. When it, when it yeah. comes to, to a fantasy setting. Right. If I, if you go to court here in, in the United States and, and you know, the, the entire burden of proof is on the prosecution, they, you know, Technically, the defendant doesn't have to say anything or even show up. <laughs> right? mm. Like, I don't have to. I don't have to do anything. You know what's what's interesting too is d- 
depending on the the specifics of the I guess the crime, whatever it may be, it's not necessarily the entire party who's actually on the hook for the crime. Pretty often it's the, you know, possibly reckless actions of like maybe one or two party members or something like that. You may well have at least a few party members who weren't necessarily involved in the actual Mm -hmm. problem. So you could even have a bit of a split party situation where, which I am starting to like more and more, by the way, is that right? Um, it with no joking or anything either. Like I'm, I'm starting to really come around we'll, on the we'll, idea. We'll, we'll have to, party. we'll have to talk um, about that one. Cause I'm not convinced, but we can, we can make that a topic for another time. Oh, sure. Maybe, maybe the title could be split party question mark question mark. But I'm, I'm basically thinking, you know, if uh, the, the incarcerated individuals, could basically be communicating with those that are on the outside who are maybe trying to gather uh, helpful yeah, so, evidence, so, like so as the clock's ticking and, you know, things like that. They yeah. could be their, their friends on the outside that are trying to help them. Uh, yeah, I could through. be for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as, you know, like, if you split the scene, but everybody's, like, you don't just tell like half the party to go to so go get a soda for half oh, an hour. Oh no, 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 no. You know, you're, then you're that, bouncing constantly. Yeah, then that could be cool. That could be <laughs> that could cool. be a lot of fun. Um so yeah, I like that. So anyway, you can and as, aside from just doing the investigation part, we know that this whole system is corrupt, right? So what you can do is okay, well, who can I bribe? Who can I talk to? Who can I do a favor for? Who can I do a quick quest for? So that I win their favor. Cause w- like, what if your court system is made of like five different, you know, local Lords. Right. And so you don't need to win the trial. You just need to get Lord such and such and Lord such and such to vote for you. Mm. Right. Uh, they don't give uh, a dang about the, the actual justice of the trial. Right. Maybe right. they're, maybe they're even actively voting against justice for their own, mean so then you go well how do i get you to vote for my side well i guess if you could save my son from the clutches of this other lord then maybe i'll i'll swing my vote towards you Mm. right and so now instead of playing a court scene now you're doing a rescue scene right and and that's also something i lifted straight out of dragon age by the way oh sure because one of their big moments in in origins is also a big trial scene Mm -hmm. um and uh, oh, that leads me to something else that's really exciting. And I know I'm kind of bouncing around, but we're getting late on time. Uh, different types of trial. <laughs> mm. uh, because obviously there's trial trial and there's even there could even be a jury or a council of judges or whatever. Trial you by have, combat. But there's trial by combat, right? Mm. Absolutely. And there's also yeah. trial by ordeal, right? Um, so in uh, trial or ordeal classically would have been basically do this self-torture painful thing Mm. then you're good but that's a little boring so you could do a thing where the king goes all right your trial by ordeal is basically go on this other quest and then we'll forgive you right right and that could be kind of interesting or okay you're you know choose a champion we're going to do one-on-one combat in the trial by combat that could be interesting 
I think the try by ordeal as a quest is uh, it is an interesting and it feels like kind of a classical sort of way yeah. to go where the the person in authority classically will be in this uh, sort of typical win win situation where he's like, okay, the task that I'm setting you is so ludicrous that I'm pretty sure it's as good as a death sentence. That's right. You're yeah, probably going to go off and die. And on the off chance that you don't, you're going to take care of this really awesome thing for me. And that does me a solid too. And if that's the case, well, then I guess we're good. I mean, it's the same concept as a fine when you think about it. You know, you you broke the law. So pay me? Well, how does that serve justice? Right? You're just you're just getting paid off is all. So sure. it's <laughs> it's like uh yeah, so go take care of this bigger problem and then you're you're good to go. Like to me that's just as as valid. Sure, why not? Right. And it's more exciting for the players, right? Cuz yeah. maybe maybe you make it possible you could win the the trial scene, right? But your mm-hmm. players make terrible arguments. And they insult the judge and everything else. And so they, so they get the guilty verdict. And so then you have like the, so one of the Lord's appeal. And he's like, I appeal to, to trial by, by ordeal. And then mm. that way you, there is like the, the last chance get out of jail card for, for your party. And that could be one right. way to do it. If you wanted to. One concern that I always have with trial focused things is clarity is really, really important. And like, if the issue is whether or not a law was broken, mm-hmm. you, it needs to have been pretty darn clear what the law actually was. So that needs to yeah. be clearly stated beforehand so that, the offending party should be pretty aware that they broke a law unless them being unaware is like the main point of everything. Like it, you intended it to be a mystery. If that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. You you can also have a player just say, well, Hey, would my character know if this is the law or or what is the law regarding that? Sure. Yeah. And then maybe they tell you, or maybe they ask for that history check or whatever it is. You know, and then and then maybe you tell them. I would almost say sometimes let's let laws be fairly vague, so that that way the openness of the interpretation is is part of where the conflict comes from, right? Because if I could, it could be, but yeah, the but my worry is getting stuck in a pretty common problem that I've seen in in mm-hmm. games where you'll get into those circular arguments. Or, you know, you'll get into a lot of uh uh uh-huh, uh-uh sort of things. So if your group isn't very good at that kind of stuff, that might just be something to watch out for. Sure. Well, it also could be a thing where you go, you know, you look at the the judge. You notice that he's yawning and looking around a bit. Mm. And you realize that you've been repeating yourself. And and. Your, your argument isn't getting through. You need to change gears, right? Or, Fair um, or you know, it's fantasy, right? So the, so the judge can just say, I'm tired of listening to you. Everyone go back to jail and I'll decide, right? right. 
Well, like you shoot. had your shot and doesn't even you necessarily need to be fantasy. It could just be like, well, that's true. Yeah. Like, Hey, just move on. Right. Or the straight the opposing up school. One opposing, uh, uh, lawyer just, just says, Hey, objection, argumentative. <laughs> like you yeah, just, there you go. Okay. Move it along. What else you have? Okay. Yep. It's not because this is like, you bring up a really good point. Like what about these circular arguments that we always see? Because, the the thought is always, oh, the other person on, in the table didn't agree with me. So they must not have understood what I said. No, no, they, they understood. They understood what you said, right? You are being clear. They disagree they didn't with agree. you. They didn't right. agree with you, right? And and so they, they just, you know, people don't realize that everybody kind of sees things through their own eyes and like a very sort of subjective lens. So mm-hmm. People just think that whatever it is that they observe is the truth, right? Right. And and that leads to a lot of these arguments. Yeah, and if you don't have any new information or a new tack to really introduce to the conversation, move on. Yeah, you know, just move on. Take, yeah. take the win, take the loss, whatever it may be. And and you as the GM can, can drive that because you can yeah. be the judge and you can say, hey, I heard you. What's what else you got? Right. You know, and if they repeat themselves, then you go, well, you're in contempt of court or this trial is, is over. Do you have anything else to say? Um, uh, I'm ready to deliberate because clearly you're done arguing. You know, that could right. be. It, We're just like, going to put you on <laughs> one side of this scale and on the other side, we're going to put a duck and we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. So. Or you could always go, oh man, this trial's gotten out of out of hand. Uh 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 and Fireball. orcs attack. <laughs> oh right. you you went a different direction than me. I did do, I do, <laughs> I did I did go somewhere else, right? Because you could always do that, right? Like, oh now all of a sudden we have a bigger problem. And That's now the true. judge is gonna forgive you because giants attacked and then you killed them, and now we all like you. So You um, know, that's a that I, I'm pretty sure that was a suggestion from uh Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> uh, if you kill a giant, for, that book. if you kill a giant for somebody, they will most likely uh, mm-hmm. develop yeah. a fondness for you. The, the typically people like having their lives saved. They do. They do. Unless that, uh, that giant was family, in which case uh, you, you might be in for some trouble real quick. I, I did mention Phoenix, Wright Earlier. You did. I don't think I ever got to the point of that which was that in Phoenix, like Phoenix, Wright Is a terrible lawyer game. <laughs> um, it's really just an investigation game because Phoenix, Wright Has to prove that his client is innocent and, and also has to point out who is actually guilty. Mm. It's like, it's the opposite of American court systems. Mm. And I, so I don't know if that's a real representation of Japanese law or if it's just a game designer going, I've never been to court ever. Um, I I don't know. But it does make me think that one interesting way to handle like a fantasy court system and and come up with some bad laws is just to know what your court system is in real life and then mess it up. <laughs> like just, hey, that's do something the opposite. You know what you're saying basically boils down to you're guilty until proven innocent. Where if the law sees you and puts its sights on you for whatever reason, and they decide to drag you in, 
Like if you can't prove that you didn't do whatever it is, even if you didn't, if they think you did, you in hot trouble, hot water hot or trouble. big trouble, not hot trouble. You might no, be in I like hot, hot trouble. trouble. I think you're in hot trouble. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I rescind my corrections <laughs> and I stick with my original state. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, oh my yeah, goodness. You could do that. Um, you could also have a court where nobody's recording anything. So the lawyers just start saying, <laughs> you know, that you said things that you clearly didn't, you know, or you could say uh, the jury is uh, one person, you know, and what does oh, that mean? Man. Oh, you know? that would be the worst. A single person jury, you know how? So basically judge with no training. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, I'm just sitting here thinking that that person, I can't imagine any juror surviving in a society that has any sort of criminal underworld. Like, well, here's the, here's the other thing you could do. Uh, You're in the elf dominated city. You're accused of a crime against an elf. You go, you look at the jury, all elves. Oh, right? who would have seen that coming? And then that has some real life, you know, parallel that oh, you that, could, there's you a could fair explore, crop. Right. Oh man. Um, I think they explore this a little bit in that Sir Brant game that we played, right? Where yeah. everyone at court is, is rich and you have a dispute between a rich guy and a poor guy. And you know that the poor mm-hmm. guy is in the right, but, but you know, it's also political suicide to side with him, but also if you just go with your self-interest, then this other guy who's basically your boss is going to hate you. So mm. good luck, kid. You have fun. <laughs> have fun. We this do fun. this for a good time. <laughs> we do ah, this for fun. What the heck is wrong with us? <laughs> what is wrong? So anyway, um, hopefully, I, I think that's pretty much all I got other than yeah. um, some interesting laws to to look at. Uh, might be the code of Hammurabi um, mm. if you want to do a little bit of of research because that's like the earliest uh, legal like recorded laws or something like that that we have. Period. Right. Mm. And that you know, and most uh, most of these punishments are all meant to be part of retributive justice. Right. Right. This idea of restorative justice is something that's very new. Really, I mean, it's not it's not perfectly recent, but. You know, it's still not super common, this idea of trying to get like real resolution between two afflicted parties and then they become friends in the end. You know, right. uh, uh, most of the time what what this is all designed to do is to make someone feel pain equal to the pain that they inflicted. Right. So that's right. To keep in mind. You stole an apple, really so I'm going to chop your hand off. Totally equal. I've talked about the Magna Carta a bit. I think that's a big one. Um I'm a big fan. I'm biased because I teach it, but I'm a big fan of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Um, at the very least, citizens should know what their own laws are in founding documents. I think that's important. Uh, again, just take that and then do something weird with it. And then yeah. now you have a fan- fantasy law land, right? Um, yeah. uh, Mayflower Compact's interesting because it's um, colonial. It's far away from its motherland. And so it's mm. people trying to govern them themselves. So that's very fascinating if you're dealing with something like that. Um, and then, of course, just like the the like 12 tablets of Rome 
could be interesting. Uh, just Roman law in general is really fascinating, especially some of their punishments. Uh, there's one punishment that they have that I like to talk about in class because it always gets a, a chuckle and also horrifies everybody <laughs> that like if you commit patricide, um, they would put you in a like a burlap sack with an ape, a dog, a snake and a rooster they tie it up and then throw it in a lake. I think I've heard about that. Yeah. And that, and like every little punishment had its own little, like, here's exactly what happens. <laughs> Someone like there were guys in Rome who really, they took their job seriously. Like these were some really creative messed up folks. Like, you know what? I know we've got an ape and a dog and a snake, but I feel like there's something. This needs something. This missing needs something. a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. Uh, <laughs> a rooster. That's a what rooster. we'll do. We'll That's put a it. rooster in there. This is and perfectly rounds it out. You know, it just chuck them right. in the lake. Right. And just have all those animals start panicking in the water with you stuck in a sack. I guess that's what they, that's what they wanted. Oh Um, my God. So interesting, interesting choice. Yes. Um, Interesting is a good word for it. So Um, the the last thing I'll say is that um, I think that one of the ways that we tell powerful stories is that we can, we can talk about things that matter to us that are important in real life, but we don't necessarily preach a, a specific like current political agenda mm-hmm. because I think that's where we lose people, right? There's a fine line between talking about something meaningful and important and being preachy. And I think that yeah. once you get the sense that you're being preached at, it can really kind of kill that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. You know, whereas we want to, we want to talk about those more, general and eternal ideas of like, what would you mean justice? Mm-hmm. What do you mean authority? What do you mean law? What do you mean rule of law? Right. Yeah. Um, due process, all these things. These are things that we can, we can get somewhere with, you know, if yeah. you try to tie a direct allegory to the latest politician, you don't like, I, I, I think then you make um, something that, uh, we'll not, well, number one, it won't resonate with everybody. And two, it's going to date itself. And so it yeah. won't have that sort of timeless feel. And I mean, it. you know, you may have a group where you know that that sort of, uh, story yeah, might fly would, with them. would be right up their alley. Sure. Um, so, you know, your mileage may vary, but yeah, right. as a rule, I think, yeah, I think you just got to be careful because I think we see this a lot with films now where entertainment and um, like actually good storytelling has become secondary to ideology. Mm. And we have to declare where we are on something and declare our, our agenda more importantly than than telling a good story. And unfortunately, this is this has turned out some pretty flat and uh, lame characters, frankly. Hmm. So uh, that's as political as I'm going to get uh, on this podcast. Um, but uh, those Fair are my enough. two cents, you know. Well, cool. Th- 
thanks for that. I mean, I, I know this stuff is very near and dear to your heart. And you're right. I mean, things like trials and being, you know, brought up on charges or just getting captured and thrown in jail and having to break out or, you know, deal with local law, depending on whether it's yours or whether you're a visitor or whatever, and having all those things run into what you typically assume comes with being an adventurer, both the good and the bad. Um, a lot of times when those things run into each other, it can be very exciting and you can get some of these very iconic moments like the, uh, the big dramatic trial defense or, you know, smashing your way out of prison or all these different things, uh, that if done well, people will remember for a really long time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's good to kill goblins. It's also good to know why we're killing goblins. And if it, what, and if killing goblins is actually the right thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's an interesting uh, exercise. And I think it makes your world feel a little more alive. I agree. All right. Well, I think it's about time to wrap it up. Yeah. No, I think we need another hour of discussion. <laughs> no, yeah, we definitely, <laughs> we've definitely got over. Thanks for, thanks for um, tolerating. Uh, oh, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, Speaking of that, um, I did want to let folks know that coming up in the following weeks for uh, August, not next week, but I believe the uh, uh, the week of August 16th and the week of August 23rd, um, I will be out of town. So uh, there may be be a few less episodes this month i might record something but also and and, you know you're the you're the editor so Mm. it could be a thing where we you know that episode gets recorded but maybe you don't get it till a little bit later but then maybe we get a few more at once could be i I definitely don't i definitely don't want to shortchange sure the people well and also we've been uh doing some posts over on the Patreon itself and things like that. That's true, so, yeah. And if you're a patron, uh, by going over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and supporting the show, uh, even at the very lowest level, you'll get access to our discord community where you can interact with us. So at the very least, you know, we can uh, answer questions that you might have, give you some, uh, tailored advice, that sort of thing. Um, so any way that we can give you your money's worth, we will definitely do our level best to do so. Um, but anyway, thank you all for hanging out and uh, special thanks to Spike, Kate, Logan, and Fallon Gore. We love you guys very much. They are our ever, ever, ever loyal patrons. Um, And uh, just like we said, if you want to find that page, it's patreon.com slash inspiration point for everything else. You can head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And in the upper right hand corner, you can find three bubbles that will take you to Facebook, Twitter and Patreon. And if you're on mobile, those three dots will be in the upper center. And uh, that's pretty much all you guys need to know. So, until next time, go watch Boston Legal.
<laughs> like, just do it. If you haven't done it, go track it down and watch you some Boston Legal and learn about the magic that is the friendship between Alan Shore and Denny Crane and see just how that is a prime example of that secret ingredient at work. Yeah, honestly, it, it, you'll just realize this entire podcast is just plagiarizing that show. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, we won't apologize for it. So uh, deal with it. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Cue the outro music. 